Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. I am Darren Javag, the chair of DivorceNet and your host for the show. And with me is Tina Murray, DivorceNet's vice chair and co-host of the show. So good morning, Tina. Who do we have lined up for today's show? Good morning, Darren. So this morning we have Shulamit Bear Levtov. She is uh, with a company called Compassionate Support for Stressful Times. She is the founder and clinical director of Kempel's Holistic Stress and Trauma Clinical. Uh, she is a registered social worker and a registered yoga teacher. She's been um, doing this professionally for about 17 years. She has one kid, as she put in her bio, and uh, has been married for about 14 years. Uh, and she does live um, in a little place called Jasper, which is just outside of Miracle, Ontario. So welcome to the show this morning, Shulamit. Hi, Tina. Hi, Darren. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So give us a little bit, uh, a little bit more background about who you are and um, maybe a little insight into what you know, made you choose this profession. So what made me choose this profession is a funny, <laughs> it's a funny question because the answer, the original answer is lost in the sands of time mm. because my, uh, I'm in my fifties now and I started on this path in my late teens, early twenties. So I don't really remember what got me started. I started my undergraduate degree in social work, but um, diverted onto a different career path uh, a couple of years in. But how I came back to this was in my mid-30s, I was injured in the work I was doing. And I had always on the side of my uh, paid work been working in uh, personal growth and mental health. And when I injured myself, I needed to do my own kind of occupational rehab and because that thread of personal growth and mental health had always run through my side interests, it made sense that at that point I would go back to school, uh, finish my training in that area, and then do that as my main focus. Because it had become clear through the work that I was doing on the side how powerful it was and how needed it was. So that's what I did. So, um, okay, so tell me what is, what is it that you do? So primarily I work with business women and busy women who want to transform the effects of stress and trauma so that they can feel good, but also respond effectively when the crap hits the fan. Because the crap always hits the fan, <laughs> right? It always hits the fan. It always hits the fan. And it's one thing to be chill on the top of the mountain and another thing entirely to be chill in the middle of the storm on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So well, do you work with uh, any, do you work with men at all? Or is it I do, I do. Many men who feel comfortable with my approach will come to me and say, hey, listen, I think this would be a good fit. Would you be willing to work with me? And, and I totally, in fact, I have special training and education in supporting men who've experienced domestic violence and uh, unwanted sexual contact in childhood, which is a pretty uh, unique offering for this area. So I don't exclude men. And at the same time, I have a particular approach that resonates with some guys and not others. So that's why I don't specifically say that I work with guys. Well, but there are lots of guys who come to work with me for sure. 
one one other question, uh, uh, Sheila. Do you uh, do you deal with couples, or do you only is it one on one? I only work one on one with folks who have. So we work with relationship issues, but individually. Mm-hmm. So most frequently, I have. Uh, people who are having relationship difficulties who come to me to have a space in which they can sort out uh, with a third party what actually is going on and they can distinguish between um, their emotional activation and their hurts and resentments and their the patterns in their relationship. And then they can take steps to address on the one hand what's happening with them that's preventing them from being the partner they want to be. And then they can identify what they want to do, what kind of constructive things they can do in their relationship. That's one aspect of the relationship work I do. Um, And this falls under the context of stress because if your relationship is not going well, it's super stressful, right? Because your relationship is your foundation for how you are in the world. So that's one aspect. The other aspect I see in my practice quite frequently is after a separation has occurred, during or after a separation, which is extremely stressful. It's, you know, there's a list of the most stressful life events and uh, some of the very simple things we would think like selling your home is considered very high up on the stress scale. Well, when you're separating and divorcing, not only have you got the emotional stuff, you've got the separation that you have to uh, deal with the technical aspect, the law, le- legal and logistical aspects, but you also have the kids and you're also selling your home and maybe you're moving and maybe you're getting a new job. It, it could, it's the stereotypical bleep storm of stress, right? So when folks are in this situation, I don't help the couples reconcile or work things out together, but I do support the individual in keeping a clean house on their insides with the emotional aspects and stressful aspects of this so that they can be their best self as they move through these very stressful stages of separation and divorce. Mm -hmm. That to me just seems like such an invaluable um, mindset to be in, to know that and realize that you actually need that support as well, right? We know we need, you know, when we're going through a separation or divorce, we know we need the lawyers, the, you know, the realtors, the mortgage people, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But to think about our emotional and mental state and how vital, if not, might be the most important part of it. Well, here's the thing. You're, you've hit on really a, um, an important uh, point, Tina, because when we're stressed, there's a phenomenon called cortical inhibition. In everyday terms, we could call it flipping your lid, right? <laughs> Do you recognize the experience of how you flip your, have you ever flipped your lid? Losing your SHIT. Yeah. That's right. You lose your cool. Well, yeah. that's, that's cortical I'm- inhibition. It literally means you can't think straight. Wow. So how then can you, and you guys I'm sure have experienced this with clients, how then can a client think straight about their financial situation, about their mortgage decisions, about numbers and logic when that part of their brain is literally inhibited in its function? They can't, mm-hmm. right? So step one is bringing the lid back on, bringing your cortex, your thinking brain back online so then you can make the kinds of decisions that support you in moving forward in a positive way. Shula, you uh, actually, you just touched on a question. You're segueing into a question I was going to ask you is, is so, uh, so how, how, how would people know that they're going through stress? So they're going through this traumatic event. Yes. They're, they're flipping their lid as you call it. And, yes. and maybe it's easier for people around the person to, to see oh, yes. they're doing it, right? Because we're like, oh man, this person's flipping their lid. Yes. How does that person, 
how how would that person identify that they're flipping their lid? Like 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 how would they be able to look at themselves and say, okay, I'm losing my crap? How, how, yeah. How do you, how do you identify what's going? It's true because this is such a good question, Darren. Because when you flip your lid, as I said, you're not thinking straight, so you're not aware. You're not as fully in contact with what's happening with you. So the very first thing I would recommend is um, check, take the feedback from intimate friends and family, people you trust. So don't pull your Facebook friends, right? <laughs> but, you have, but you have a best friend, you have somebody very close, you have a dear family member whose opinion you trust, whose perceptions you trust. And a conversation with them, if you ask them, how do you think I'm doing? They can often give you really valuable feedback about, you know, what your degree of stress is, because they, they've known you over time. Right. And they can see like normally you're kind of a tense person and that's cool. And you're just as tense as you always were. That's fine. But normally you're kind of a tense person. But now you're like, whoa, 100 out of 10 tense. That's and that's the kind of perspective that a third party, like a trusted friend or confidant uh, can give you. That would be my first thing. The second thing is just to do a little check in every once in a while with yourself to, to see like, how am I sleeping? How's my appetite? How's my focus? How's my memory? How, uh, like, am I um, more emotional than I usually am? So what you're looking for is a significant difference one way or the other. Mm. So, um, for example, if you're always an eater, always eating is not a sign of stress. However, if you're always an eater and suddenly you stop eating or suddenly you eat like 10 times more than you used to or 10 times more frequently, right? It's any, any significant change in those dimensions can give you a hint uh, about your stress. I think sometimes though um, we we're in it and we don't see it. And, and, right. and we've talked a lot about divorcing clients and just um, <clears throat> how, you know, it, it's embarrassing. It's, um, Oh Yeah. You know, they don't want to tell people. Yes, yes. You know, I have a, I have a friend who, you know, several months back was talking about separation and, um, and she was embarrassed. She didn't want to yeah. tell anybody. And she said, Tina, she says, you know, you'll never divorce. You know, And I'm like, well, I mean, that's my hope and prayer. But she's like, so you don't understand, but it's really embarrassing. And I don't want to right. talk to my friends about it because they all live great lives. And I said, right. well, that's such a myth. And mm. so I think that, um, I think that, right. So already, if you're in that position where you're separating or, or thinking about it, um, you're already maybe quote unquote embarrassed or yes, yes. Shame. Yeah. So then to go step forward and start to say to your closest friends who yes. really want to tell them because they are your closest friends and family, but you're a little embarrassed too. So how do yeah. you go to them and say, okay, I need you to check me for my, uh, my, <laughs> how do you do that? You know? Well, yes, you're so right. And so for some folks, that's just not their way of doing things and that's perfectly okay. And yes, I see many people in my practice who are embarrassed about all sorts of things, embarrassed and ashamed, um, because of the impact you know, we in, you know, there's a concept called, um, let me make sure I get this right. You're having a normal reaction to abnormal circumstances. Mm. What we often think is there's something the matter with us when really there's something the matter with what we're going through. And we're having an absolutely normal response to this totally abnormal situation. But 
it's hard for us to keep that in our awareness, right? It's hard for us to be kind to ourselves, especially when we're stressed out. So this is where a neutral third party comes in, right? If you decide that you want to confide in your pastor or your therapist, which, you know, in this case would be me or somebody else that you know who is somebody you consider trustworthy, the nice thing about having that neutral third party is that there are no social consequences for confiding in them. Nobody in your life is going to, you don't even have to tell, and that's the other thing, um, practicing in a small community, like there's, there's the law about confidentiality, which says that I can't disclose anything anybody tells me, but I can't even disclose that we work together. So for example, if you met me in my office, I would have a conversation with you where I would say, listen, this is not a social relationship. So socially speaking, I don't know you. And if we were to bump into one another in the grocery store, I will not greet you because I don't know you. It's the law, but that's also like living in small communities in order for people to trust that their, you know, their shameful, in quotation marks, shameful secrets are safe with me. This is how I, I behave, not only because it's the law, but also because then it opens the door for folks to come and talk and know that there will be no repercussions. No one is going to think any differently about them, not even their close friends and family, because when they tell me, it stays here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. You, do, you get a, do you get quite a few people? Do you, do you have that happen in the community where people will approach you on a social level to say hello? And, and do you reciprocate or do you just... like? So you- 75% of the folks with whom I have these conversations in my office say, oh, I don't care. I'll say hello. And I'm like, cool with that. And the other 25% say, thank you for telling me that because I really don't want anybody to know. And I'm glad to know that you're not going to bring it up in public. Right, right. Yeah. Now, do, you get a, do you get a lot of people outside of the region that come to visit you? Like you get people from Ottawa or Brockville that come, that make the drive because they don't necessarily want to be with somebody in their, in their community? Yes, yes, I do. I have a significant proportion of my practice of, pe- of people who come from away or who either they drive in or they work virtually. I have a secure, um, privacy compliant video platform or we can work by phone. And so I have a number of clients who've chosen to do that as well. Okay, great. So what is the biggest piece of advice you could give someone who is, is thinking about separating, separating or going through a separation? Um, what would you say to them? What is the, the biggest thing you could give them? Mm, there's just nothing wrong with you. <laughs> That's like the biggest message, right? You're having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. I often use the analogy of um, a cut. Like if you cut yourself, right, you expect that you're going to bleed, right? 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 If you get a cut, you're expecting to see yourself bleed, right? Right. Right. If If you cut yourself with a knife in the kitchen and you don't bleed, you look at yourself and you go, well, huh, what's going on here? Am I right? Right. Right? You're like, "Uh, I'm not bleeding. Something's not right. And the analogy applies to stress, and in particular, extremely stressful situations like uh, marital conflict, separation, and divorce, where because you have, in quotation marks, cut yourself, you, of course, are going to bleed. And there's, although it's painful, it's difficult, it requires special care for sure, it's also normal. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with you for what you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with you. And then the corollary to that is um, when you cut yourself, you do need to care for the cut. And so the second uh, kind of number one tip or tip 
number one, part B, is uh, seek support. Right. Shula, I have a quick question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Can you give some, like on top of just a segue into that last one, uh, do you have a couple coping tools that you could give to clients that, you know, like when they're really feeling stressed, what are, cause I, I remember speak, um, watching you speak one time at a, at a, um, a grouping, a business owner grouping and you gave yes. really, really insightful, valuable tools to some of the people in the room about what they can do when they're going through a really, a really stressful situation, how to, how they can kind of bring themselves back in line. Sure. Well, the, it's almost an impossible thing once you flipped your lid to do anything about it, unless, unless you have a daily practice of caring for yourself, of regulating your nervous system. So the tip for every day is to make sure that you're always regulating your nervous system, or I shouldn't say always, but frequently, regular little doses of experiences that help you regulate your nervous system, that soothe, discharge, and nourish your nervous system. So soothing, everybody knows what that uh, feels like, right? It's a very, it's like a hot water bottle um, when you're cold, or um, um, like that nice relaxing feeling you have when you're sitting in the sun. That's kind of that's activities that make you feel that way on a regular basis. Um, just even five minutes every day are really important. Discharging has to do with emotions and movement. So a good laugh, a good cry, a good vent on a regular basis can help, and also moving your body in a way that's enjoyable, that can help. And then nourish, these are uplifting or inspiring experiences. So for example, uh, music, um, worship service, if that's your way of doing things, um, some close time with somebody who cares for you, uh, with your animal, those are things that will nourish your nervous system. And so if you do those things on a regular basis, then when you flip your lid, some of those will come to you in the moment and you can use them to help bring your lid back online so that then you can think straight. Spoken like a true yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing actually, uh, maybe tell the listeners, um, that little story about the sunlight in your office. Oh, sure. Well, this is a perfect example of the three principles of stress reduction all in one. Um, so this is kind of a mini moment. One of the beautiful things about these three principles of stress reduction is that you don't need to add anything more to your uh, schedule. You don't need another activity. You just need to tweak what you're already doing. So a perfect example of this is setting yourself a little bell that will ring on your um, on your phone or on your computer. And in that moment, just turn your chair a little bit. Hopefully you have a window in your office and you can look out the window and take in the natural environment, in particular on a sunny day. Like if you can imagine, today's kind of a gray day, so I invite you just to kind of close your eyes and lift your head and imagine you're looking out a big window and the sun is coming in. You can see the orange through the eyelids. You can feel the warmth of the sun on your face. Maybe you can take in a breath and kind of... Uh, imagine what it would feel like if you were actually outdoors in the sun. Hmm. You know, when you have the, the kind of relaxing feeling, you have the warmth in your body, you have the kind of, ooh, geez, this feels so good, which is the nourishing aspect. And the breath, if you take a breath in and out, that moves your body just a little bit. You can even move your arms in motion with your breath, and that moves the arms a little bit. You do this for a minute, two minutes, and then go back to your work. And there you've had that little stress reduction moment that helps 
get you resourced mm -hmm. so that when, you know, when you're encounter some stress, you're not already in a stressed position. You're coming from a little bit of a resourced place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I really love that tip mm -hmm. because I started using it myself after you. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you How know, does it help? It helps a lot actually, because, um, sometimes you get caught up in your day and you're, and you actually made a little, uh, a suggestion or a comment at one of your speeches where you're talking about the phone. And how you're trying, oh, yeah. you're trying to bring down your stress level. And then as soon as the phone rings, you're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You back up, right? So you're yes. constantly going through these, these cycles of, of these little jolts. Brain, yes. Little jolts to your nervous system, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the way to, to deal with it was one of the things you said was looking through the window and taking in your moment. And I didn't quite get to the second uh, recommendation you made, which is dancing around your office. <laughs> I didn't quite go that route, but I did like that one because I, I use it uh, in my office in between meetings. Yes. I'll have like a, a, a meeting uh, with a client and then I'll usually have about 20, 30 minutes to kind of wrap up and document the meeting. And mm -hmm. I usually take about two or three minutes after I've documented everything, got everything out of my mind and purged it. And I'll just sit there and do some breathing techniques, just look through the window. And it kind of refocuses me because I know there's another client coming through the door mm -hmm. in like five minutes. And I have to be present for that client. I have to be mm -hmm. in the moment for them so that I can bring them value. Mm -hmm. But I'm still thinking about the last client and I'm still thinking about, oh my God, the phone just rang. And so it's, it was a great technique. I know how simple it sounds, but it that really does work. Thank you for sharing that experience, Darren, because I say this all the time, but it's so, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah, that's what Shula always says. <laughs> and, it, it, and it's true, and it's true that I do it myself, and it helps me greatly, but it's also great to hear how lay people use it and how it's beneficial. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things, like, to me that I think that we, um, we in society forget a lot is, is that self-care. Mm. And how it so, so strongly correlates to mental health. Yes. And how, you know, um, we talk about mental health and, you know, it's, it's, again, it's one of those embarrassing things, but it, like, you know, you alluded to with the, with the cut, right? If you cut your finger uh, and it bleeds, you take care of it, you put a bandaid on it. Um, if you have diabetes, you take insulin. If you have right. cancer, you do, you know, and so I think that, um, mental health, uh, regardless of whether you're going through a separation, divorce, or you know some sort of nasty relationship, um, it, it's so important, and it all goes back to that self care as well. Yes. And so uh, I'm so glad that that you know you are an, an available resource to people, and I think that I think we need to continually tell people it's okay to give ourselves that self care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tina, you sound like a great mental health advocate. I, I, I am. I am. And I don't really know a whole lot about it, but um, I do. I do. I think it's so important to, to be yeah. able to just identify that and not be embarrassed by it. Yeah. And, and when we're going through a challenging um, separation, I think it's even more important, even if you don't think you need it. Yes. Well, I agree. Right? It's just the human brain. It's the way the brain works. When it's stressed, it just doesn't think as well as it can when it's not stressed. Right. And if you wanna if you wanna be the most effective person you can be, it makes sense to help your brain out. Yeah. yeah. Shula, I got one quick question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this may or may not be something you deal with, but um, so for people going through divorce uh, with children, right? Mm -hmm. They may be dealing with their own stress in their own way. Yes. Uh, and I know I don't know if you deal with children, but um, do you have some tips of, of 
how, how parents might be able to help their children right. a little bit? Yes. So I do work with teens, um, but I often support parents. I do what are called parenting consultations. So I don't do family therapy, but I will consult with parents to help them uh, understand what the principles are of stress resilience and stress reduction so that they can use them at home with their kids, because that's a very powerful tool is having it in the home. Right. So the most important thing that a parent can do for a child, well, first of all, the most important thing a parent can know about children who are stressed is that their brains are not fully developed yet, right. which means that they're, they show their stress in their behavior. Mm-hmm. They can't say what they feel. They can only show it. Right. And they show it often in ways that, that just seem designed to like annoy, <laughs> annoy us and get themselves in trouble. <laughs> right. So the first thing as a parent, when you see your child doing stuff like this, is to take a breath and tell yourself, they're not bad, they're stressed. Mm-hmm. They're point. not misbehaving, they're stressed. Yeah. Right? And then the next thing is to, uh, when the child is crying or is acting out in a way, is to let them know you know what's happening with them, to say... I know this is super stressful. I know that that's why you're doing this. I know that this feels out of control. I understand how hard this is for you. And I'm here. Okay. Good. Right. What we, what we often do is tell them, stop that. Stop, stop. Right. And we're, 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 we're invalidating their feelings. Exactly. And what the ironic thing is the minute you, well, not the minute, but frequently when you, and it supplies to us as well as our children, acknowledging what's happening allows what's happening to let go. So often if you can acknowledge what's happening with the kid, the kid can sort of, it kind of turns things around a little bit right. and they can, and it, and it's, and it has a regulating function. It, uh, it facilitates cortical function. It calms the kid and helps them think straight. But first you have to acknowledge like, yeah, this is, like, this is a crap show. This feels terrible for you. This is super stressful. You're sad and unhappy. This is a big loss. I know that. I know it. And allow a little space for that. And then try and troubleshoot. Mm-hmm. Sheila, do you mind if I ask you a question? Um, you and I talked previously, and I know you're coming from a, from a position of experience, right? Because you, yeah. you, you've gone through some some, some uh personal um stresses with with marriage and stuff like that is is that yeah. is it all right if i ask you that about that like how, how sure. is your career well i'm a trauma survivor right and uh childhood trauma and uh trauma as an adult uh people can read more about this on my about page i won't say more now because i want to be sensitive to the fact that details can sometimes be upsetting for people to listen to but um and i've also been um I've had two what I would have thought were life partners and those relationships failed. So you could call them in quotation marks divorces because I certainly went through the whole uh, legal process um, with those. And um, uh, let me just pause for a minute here. Yeah. I don't mean to put you on the spot there. It's okay. I just want to, I just want to check to see how it has. It's powerful. When we talked about it in the past, it was, I found it very powerful to be hearing from you from the position, because you're a professional that deals with divorcing clients and dealing with stress, but you're also a person who's experienced it themselves. So you understand kind of uh, where a lot of people are coming from. You can kind of relate and empathize with their situation, right? Yes. And that's actually, as I was checking inside to see kind of what is the biggest impact, um, 
of my experience on the work that I do is the fact that I get it. Right. Right. You know, I've been there and, um, so that people like there's that nor like that. What I wish for folks is that they could, uh, have the experience of knowing that other people have been down this path and that it is completely normal. But if people aren't comfortable sharing publicly, at least they can come to my office and know that as a human, I've been where they've been. Right. So, so you have the uh, the ability to sort of really know where they're coming from. Yeah. Not just from from a educational standpoint, but really from a truly emotional and personal. Sure. Yeah, I have all the skills, but I also have the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like we could probably talk for another hour. No kidding, right? Yeah. I would like to continue to ask you so, but I, but we're going to um, probably wrap it up now and we will have you back to talk further with us. It would be a delight to come back. Thank you so much for asking me. So before we before we uh, end the session, can you uh, share with everyone how to get in touch with you? How would they, they connect with you? Sure. The best way to do it is through my website, which is shula, S like Sam, H-U-L-A dot C-A. Uh, there's all kinds of resources, particularly on my blog. Uh, I have a free resource. So if you go to shula.ca slash free, you can sign up to receive a free video, a handout, and an ebook that will help you uh, reduce your stress in day-to-day life. Great. And you're also on LinkedIn for professionals. Yes, I'm, in, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. And the most important place, you are on divorcenet.ca. That's correct. Profile <laughs> there. That's great. Okay, Sheila, we're going to end it there, but thank you very, very much for joining us. And I think you're amazing. So we'll see you in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. 